Police! Don't move. I said don't move. I thought the police always said freeze. Well, I am the police. And I say don't move, Snow White. You move, you're dead. And I say I'm dead. And I move. There ain't no grave can hold my body down. There ain't no grave can hold my body down. When I hear that trumpet sound, I'm gonna rise right out of the ground. Ain't no grave can hold my body down. A goth rock star with a supernatural bird, an aerobics instructor possessed by the spirit of a ninja, a mentally challenged scarecrow, and Charlie Sheen in a magic car. What do all these people have in common? Well, they're all dead and they're all out for sweet, sweet vengeance. On this episode of Slums of Film History, we'll explore the film characters whose desire for retribution was so strong even death couldn't stop them. Join us today as we seek revenge from the grave. Well, meet me, Jesus, meet me. Meet me in the middle of the air. And if these wings don't fail me, I will meet you anywhere. Ain't no grave can hold my body down. There ain't no grave can hold my body down. Hey, you're hurt. Lady, I'm fucking dead. This is Slums of Film History, a lowbrow look into the high art of cinema. Every episode is an in-depth look into a niche topic of film that is normally not discussed in polite company. I'm Slate. And I'm Tom. And each week, one of us researches our respective topic, writes an episode, and the school's the other. We discuss everything from S&M Nazis to murderous children to big-ass insects. If there's a film subject too taboo, we haven't found it yet. Welcome. Hey, Slate. Hi, Tom. How's it going? I'm all right. I'm still waking up. I know. You need more coffee. Why do you make me do this so early? Yeah, I know. 11.30 is way, way too early. Saturday. Yeah, good point. Uh, It's a fair point. What are you talking about today? Oh, so yeah, this is Revenge from the Grave. This one is part of my revenge saga that since season one, I've found a topic that dealt with revenge in one form or another. Mm -hmm. The first topic was hooker vengeance. Right. We talked about that. Then there was uh, vigilante vets. Sure. And then, of course, rape revenge from last season. Mm -hmm. So That was a real fun one, yeah. Yeah, that was a real upbeat, um, happy one. Mm -hmm. So that made everybody feel good. And so now it's revenge from the grave. It's where people come back from the dead to get revenge. I love this. And it was a lot of fun to do, but I really had to limit myself on what I was going to talk about here. Mm -hmm. Because there's a lot. There's a lot. Well, first of all, every horror movie has somebody coming back from the dead or is undead and they're going to get revenge. I mean, one of the most popular is Freddy Krueger, who comes back from the dead, or at least in your dreams. Mm-hmm. You know, he was murdered. He's, and so he's getting revenge on the Elm Street sure. children. You've got Friday the 13th, at least halfway through the series, like at episode six. You remember in episode four and Friday the 13th when Corey Feldman's character killed Jason? I do. They resurrected him in six, like lightning struck him, which is also one of my favorite tropes of bringing sure. the dead back. And so from six on, he's been an undead antagonist hunting campers and shit. Right. Creep Show, do you remember that movie? Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, where it's an anthology movie and it's based off of the old EC comics. Yeah. And it was directed by George Romero. And there are two stories in there about people coming back from the grave and getting revenge. One was about a guy who wanted his cake, this mm-hmm. old grandpa that killed a bunch of people. Right. And then the other one was Leslie Nielsen buried Ted Danson, I think, in the sand. Um, yeah, yeah, I remember this vaguely. And, and then the waves came and killed him. And then he and his girlfriend, that mm-hmm. they came back and got revenge on him and buried him in the sand. So, right, right. The, you know, horror movies all across the board. Chucky, you, you know, he mm-hmm. possessed a doll. He was killed, came back and got revenge. And then <laughs> speaking of that, just because that's a, more of the bizarre come back from the dead there's a movie called jack frost 
I, I know Jack Frost, yeah. Yeah, so for those who don't know, Jack Frost is the serial killer who was killed or something, and somehow his soul gets in the snow, and he comes back as a snowman and kills murders people, people. murders people, and I think rapes a woman in the shower or something, or That's molests horrible. her. Yeah. yeah. And fun fact, that came out a year before another movie called Jack Frost. It had Michael Keaton yeah. as a father who dies and comes back as a snowman to like hang out with his kid, which is great because I can only imagine like some parent getting the wrong one for their kid in the video store. Yeah. So it, it's funny if you listen to the show, how did this get made? You know, they always pick a bad movie. They yeah. did Jack Frost, the Michael Keaton version. It is comedy gold. It's is hilarious. It? They're really, really great about it. Yeah. I have to have to listen to that. Yeah. I mean, it's perfect fodder for that. The movie just looks so terrible. Like what were they thinking? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, he needed the money. Mm-hmm. And then one last one is had to mention called the Ginger Dead Man. And it's about a serial killer whose ashes get put in like some gingerbread mix. Mm-hmm. And he becomes a killer gingerbread man. Okay. And Candyman comes back from the dead when you say his name. And, oh, that's right. Because they, they lynched him, right? Right. Yeah. And he came back and Candyman got Candyman is such a good movie. And it's a great movie. Yeah. That's a wonderful movie. But I just mentioned those because there's so many of them. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really want to talk about that. Again, they're the antagonists. They're coming back as the villain. The movies I wanted to focus on were actually the ones where the protagonists come back to get revenge from the grave. Okay. So let's get started. Great. And I'll begin where we always begin, which is in history. So that whole idea of coming back from the grave to get revenge or rising from the dead have been part of our culture since, I don't know, the dawn of human existence, probably. Mm -hmm. And over the generations, there have been plenty of stories that talk about that very thing. And so I got a few from ancient mythology. That's how far back I'm going. Mm -hmm. I'm not bullshitting. Yeah. The first story I'm going to talk about is Sisyphus. You know who he is? So he's that dude that was punished for being, I guess, a dick or something and being deceitful. And so he was forced to push that boulder up a hill, but it kept rolling back down, mm-hmm. which is like a, a euphemism for my job. Yeah, and sure. And probably a lot of people's job. Yep. But he cheated death. What he did when he died or was dying is told his wife not to give him burial rights. Okay. And so when he went to the underworld, he appealed to the queen of the underworld, who was Persephone. And he asked if he could go back up to earth to haunt his wife because she'd fucked him over and then bury his remains. I feel like you've talked about this before. Did I? Either Anyway, so she agreed and he came back from hell. Okay. So he sort of tricked his way out of the underworld and he came back to life. So my next example is from Egyptian mythology and it deals with Osiris. He was killed and dismembered by his brother Seth. What a dick. Everybody named Seth is a dick. <laughs> Except our listeners. We love you. And parts of his corpse were scattered all over the world. His wife, Isis, unfortunately mm-hmm. named now, but uh, gathered parts of her husband and buried them properly. The gods were impressed by this for some reason and resurrected them. Uh-huh. Fun fact, though, the only body part that she didn't get was his penis, mm-hmm. which had been eaten by a fish. Uh-huh. So I guess as happens. Yeah. yeah. But I'm like, I've what? seen that actually in a film, Piranha. Yeah, we mm-hmm. talked about that. But my, my question is, why the fuck would you want to come back? Yeah, <laughs> with no happen? penis. Yeah. yeah, it's, yeah, it's like, yeah, they'd be know, like, I'll just stay dead. What's his name? Osiris. Osiris. They'd be like, Osiris got his penis bitten off by a fish. He's like, fuck you guys. I came back from the dead. You know, whatever. <laughs> yeah, but she ain't got no dick. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, the classic story of Jesus rising from the grave uh, that you probably learned in Christian camp when you mm-hmm. went to Christian camp. Yeah. And you remember he went on a bloody rampage against the Roman army for revenge. I think that's how the story went. Is that, is that yeah. what they taught you? Yeah. yeah. So a classic revenge from the grave story. Jesus has no dick. <laughs> Jesus <laughs> has no dick. <laughs> All right. I'm going to let that go and move on. So as I said, the concept of rising from the dead had been around since recorded history and before. I think the most modern or the one that's most relevant to this topic right now came from the Middle Ages in Europe. Europeans believe that sometimes the dead came back, and when they did, they were called revenants. The word revenant is derived from the French meaning revenir. I probably said it wrong because I always say this shit. Revenir? Yep. With a Bonjour. shitty French. Yep. <laughs> revenir. Which means to Five return. Five of French, everyone. That's right. That's all I got. Really? Mm-hmm. Yep. The school Bonjour. system really served you well. Mm-hmm. So revenant means one who has returned from the dead. So a revenant could be a visible ghost or an animated corpse that is believed to have revived from death to haunt the living or to get some sort of justice or payback. So that's the whole purpose of a revenant. That's why it's relevant to here. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be a zombie or anything like that. It can be that. And it could also be sort of like just a, a ghost Mm-hmm. And ghosts around sure but it can also be somebody again who comes back they may be disfigured or fucked up or even look different but they're this you know inhabited by the spirit that wants to come back and get payback or fuck with people from Got the it. grave so that was part of the belief so that's why this is really relevant to this and i think that's where these movies kind of pulled that from mm-hmm. so moving away from that medieval concept i think the one of the more popular i'd say more modern but it's still very old that i could find uh was from hamlet written by william oh, well, shakespeare yeah. So for those who don't know Hamlet, it's a really complex story. So I'm going to simplify the part that matters for here. 
But Prince Hamlet is the son of King Hamlet, who dies in his orchard, apparently from a serpent bite. Of course, we soon discover that, in fact, the old king was murdered by his brother Claudius, because Claudius is a fucking dick, who pours poison in his ear while he's asleep. That's a weird that's way to do weird, it. That's yeah. weird, yeah. That's weird shit. I don't think that works. Yeah, I don't think that's... Yeah, that doesn't make sense to me. Claudius is then elected king in his place, and he also marries Gertrude, King Hamlet's widow. Convenient. But anyway, so Hamlet comes home. He's like, oh, there's a lot of weird shit going on. Well, one night a ghost appears to Hamlet claiming to be the spirit of his dead father. He tells him, you know, how he was killed or whatever, blah, blah, blah. He also tells, he wants Hamlet to get revenge for him. So he's saying, hey, get payback because I was murdered. And Hamlet's like, okay, yeah, I'll I'll do what I can. Of course, things don't really work out that way. But that's the first concept I can think where a ghost in popular literature Mm -hmm. or in popular culture comes back in an effort to get vengeance for his death. Great. Thanks for sharing. <laughs> You're welcome. See, now y'all learned some shit about classics, you know, classical literature. That's why it's why we do what we do here on our, this fine, fine podcast. I already forgot that whole thing. <laughs> so my last story that I'm going to talk about from literature, and it's one I like a lot, but it's a real fucked up story, and it's by Edgar Allan Poe, and it's The Black Cat. I don't know if you remember this story. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to break this story down really, really quick, just to give you a, an overview. So this guy has his cat, and he's this raging alcoholic, and one day the cat pisses him off for whatever reason. Maybe he's really not a cat person. I don't know. He ends up cutting the cat's eye out, and the cat runs away, obviously, because nobody likes that. And then later the cat comes back around. He feels bad about it, whatever. And then the cat pisses him off again one day, and he fucking just kills this cat. I think he hangs it from a tree. So, yay, animal abuse, fucking piece of shit. Anyway, that night he does that, his house burns the fuck down, and, you know, he gets out, he's alive, and I guess his wife gets out, too, she's alive, and he comes back to check the ruins or whatever, and there's this image of a cat burned into the wall, and he thinks, well, that's weird. Anyway, some time passes, he sees this other cat at some point, it's another black cat, and matter of fact, this cat looks very much like the old cat, it has an eye missing, Imagine that. But this one's slightly different because it has a white patch on its chest. Anyway, he takes the cat home. But again, he soon starts hating this cat, too. It's like, why the fuck did you take this yeah, cat it's home? Like you did, you You're a shitty... Very bad at learning yeah, a lesson. He should be in jail. But yeah, what a dick. Anyway, after a time, the little white patch like forms a gallows, which freaks the dude mm-hmm. out. And he gets all paranoid or whatever. And of course, that angers him more. He gets mad. He avoids the cat. But then one day, he's walking to the cellar of his, of his new house... And the cat gets under his feet and almost trips him. So he gets pissed off and he wants to kill the cat again because now he's mad again. He grabs the axe to kill it. Only this time when he goes to kill it, he ends up killing his wife. Fucking kills her. So then he's like, oh shit, whatever. And so to cover that up, he does what I feel like everybody in an Edgar Allan Poe story does. He buries her in the fucking wall. So Poe really liked burying motherfuckers in walls. Right, like yeah, at least that was three like or four. That was a good, that mm-hmm. was, he loved that shit. Yeah. And he does it here. So he buries the wife in the wall. So soon after, you know, like the next day, I think people are asking, where's his wife? You know, maybe she's out of town. He's making up stories. Anyway, the cops come and ask him where she's at, and he make, gives them the same story. Anyway, as they're about to leave, they hear the screeching in the wall. It's the cat. The cat was buried in the fucking wall with the wife, and so the cat basically got payback by ratting out the guy who murdered his wife. Mm-hmm. So one thing to note about the cat, and the reason I'm bringing up this story besides the fact that it's a revenge story, is that you have the character of the cat where you're not sure if it's the same one that was killed. You know, there's similarities, there's suggestions to make you think that maybe it is. So it could be a different cat, or it could be the same one. Sure. Now, you'll see this theme coming forward. That's the big takeaway from at Like, least is it story. or isn't it type of is thing? Is it or yeah. isn't it, and is it coming back for revenge? And if it is, is it, you know, come back from its kitty grave to recap? it on this asshole which i'm you know i'm rooting for the cat mm-hmm. i kind of wish it would have just straight up just killed him yeah hashtag kitty grave yeah kitty grave hashtag kitty vengeance that's my next topic on this anyway so moving on i want to go talk about movies now but remember cat vengeance it'll mm-hmm. come back yes definitely yeah so the first film i could find that fits this topic is a film called the miser's doom and that was an 1899 british film so it's a silent film mm-hmm. and for those who don't know a miser is a person who hoards wealth and they're kind of a dick. So this story is about one of those misers who's haunted by the ghost of one of his deceased victims, causing him to die of shock. That's the first story I could see where it had an actual Revenge from the Grave storyline. Uh-huh. All right, my next movie comes much, much later, and that is High Plains Drifter from 1973. All right. A drifter came riding out of the West. You know him as Clint Eastwood. The citizens of Largo didn't know him at all. What did you say your name was again? I didn't. Fear was in their greeting. Murder was in their minds. They didn't know him when he drifted into town. 
Now they'll never forget him. You know about anything about this movie? Mm-mm. Never so, heard of it. So this is an American Western film written and directed by Clint Eastwood. It was the second movie that he ever directed. Okay. And it was heavily influenced by, you know, Sergio Leone type of films. Mm-hmm. So the film was about the stranger, another nameless person that's played by Eastwood. He rides into a small lakeside town of Lago, where he gets hired by the town as a protector after he kills three hired gunmen. That the, t- so the town had hired these other three gunmen to protect them against these bandits. Mm-hmm. Clint Eastwood comes into town. Those gunmen fuck with him and he kills them. So they hire him to take their job because he killed them. Got it. And of course, they want to hire him at any cost. So they're like, we'll give you whatever the fuck you want. All the goods in town, everything. And I mean, it's a small fucking town. It's like one small road. It's a one horse town. One hor- it is a, indeed a one horse town. And because they're worried about these three outlaws who just got released from prison and they're worried they're going to come back and fuck with the town. And see, they're worried about these bandits because they had killed the previous town sheriff. They whipped them to death. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, they pay Eastwood because they think they're, they're coming back to this town. Anyway, Eastwood's a dick in this movie. He comes in and he's a, a fucking asshole. You know, he's a dick to everybody. He basically, like, rapes two women. Mm-hmm. And it's that problematic rape stuff that's early 70s, very much like Straw Dogs, where he takes her by force, but then she kind of gets into right. it. She's like, I like this. What the fuck? I love being raped. It's right. my favorite thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So that happens yep. essentially twice in this movie by Eastwood's character. He does start training the town, kind of very much like a Seven Samurai type of scenario. He trains the town to fight back against these outlaws. Mm -hmm. And he paints the town red, literally like gets a bunch of red paint and makes this like welcoming sign for the outlaws to come back and he renames the town Hell, just Mm -hmm. paints it on the sign. So what happens, spoiler, when the bandits do come back in the town, Eastwood just leaves. He's like, Mm -hmm. fuck it, defend the town yourself. The outlaws quickly take over the town and terrorize people. Eastwood comes back. One by one, he whips all the bad guys to death. Mm -hmm. So I forgot to say this earlier, but there's this dwarf that's in this movie, and he's just hanging out in town. I don't really know what his job is. He crowns himself mayor at some point for the fuck of it. I don't get it why the, this character's there, but he's there. Town and dwarf. he's in this town. Mm-hmm. Anyway, he plays a big role at the end because when Eastwood's riding out of town, the dwarf is putting flowers or doing something with the grave of the sheriff that was killed there. And anyway, this dwarf asks Eastwood as he's riding out of town, who are you? And Eastwood looks at him and says, you know who I am, essentially, something like that. He says, you know. And then Eastwood rides the fuck out into the sunset. And then the camera does a tight shot onto the marshal or sheriff's whatever, his grave, you know, it has his name on there or whatever, suggesting that Eastwood was that reincarnated or possessed sheriff. Mm -hmm. And he came back to get vengeance in this small town. Okay. But what's funny about that is that, again, and that's what reminded me of the Black Cat story, is because he's the Black Cat. Is he a different one? Is he the same one? Right, sure. It's is just like a, implied. Right, yeah. that it may be the same person in different form. Mm-hmm. This trope comes back up, and we'll talk about it again. But I wanted to talk about this movie in particular. It's actually not a bad movie, and it's the only Western I could really find that sort of hit that type of yeah, revenge sure. saga. There's plenty goes- of revenge Westerns, but not one that had like that could have been a supernatural bend to it. Sure. So I'm going to move on my next movie. Mm-hmm. My next movie is actually a made-for-TV movie, although it was released on video and stuff called Dark Knight of the Scarecrow from 1981. I've seen it. You've seen Dark Knight of the Scarecrow? Mm-hmm. When yep. did you see it? Recently in the in the past year. You know, when I was watching, I don't know, some shitty shitty TV movie. It might have been, what was that one that you posted about? Snow Beast or some oh, shit? Oh yeah, Snow Beast. Yeah, I think yeah, it was yeah, Snow yeah. Beast. You know, it gives you recommendations based on that and that was one of them and I was like, oh, this sounds good. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. I did too. Yeah. So for those of you at home, Dark Knight of the Scarecrow is about this mentally challenged man named Bubba. Mm-hmm. And he befriends this young girl. And I guess the local rednecks in the town don't like that. They don't like Bubba. They don't like that he's friends with this girl. He's a very, he's a harmless guy. You know, the girl really likes him. Anyway, something happens. The girl gets injured. She did something stupid. I forgot. I forgot what it was. Yeah, but anyway, so she gets injured. He's trying to help. He actually helps her. But the local rednecks who are just looking for a reason to fuck with this guy thinks that he injured her. Right. And so they're coming after him. So I think it was his mom or whoever his caregiver is always told him that if he's in trouble, go hide in the cornfield. And what he would do is he'd go hide as the scarecrow, put himself up on the thing and just be very still. And and they would just think he was a scarecrow. Right. So he does that and they start going out into the the field to look for him. And I guess one of the bad guys sees his eyes in the mask and they just just shoot him right there in, in the cornfield. Anyway, after that, those rednecks start dying like one by one in mysterious circumstances. You never really see who does it. Correct me if I'm wrong, but you sort of don't see the full picture of the person that's killing them. Correct. 
until the very end when the last person's killed and the little girl comes and grabs his hand and she's like oh hey Bubba good to see you and he like gives her a flower and he's still got the you never see his face again but he's got the scarecrow mask on and right. it's him getting revenge so that's a good example in my opinion of a, of a revenant right yep. came back from the dead for all you assume it's his actual animated corpse getting revenge and then afterwards what's funny is he's just hanging around so for all we know this girl gets to play with this dead guy for I guess until she grows up or they don't really explain it but they just walk off together and he's a dead man and walking in a Scarecrow, scarecrow costume. Yeah, yeah. it's so. it's kind of a freaky movie a little bit. It is. It's yeah, got that, a lot of the TV movies, you're like, this was on TV. Yeah, like this is pretty. This is scary. You know? Yeah, yeah. Some of those old TV movies were pretty fucking creepy yeah. and yeah. did a pretty good job. I mean, they weren't gory, but they did a good job with the whole creepiness. And this was no different. It's a yeah, good movie. Absolutely. So, fun fact: the guy that played Bubba, his name is Larry Drake, and he would go on to play another mentally challenged character on the show L.A. Law. Do you mm-hmm. remember L.A. Law? La Law. Mm-hmm. La Law. And what's interesting about that is, so I think he got typecast is playing these characters mm-hmm. and so you got used to seeing him like this but then he starred as like the villain in dark man from 1990 starring liam neeson it was oh, really? a sam raimi yeah, action it. movie of liam neeson was chemically burned and was all disfigured and he had like masks that he put on and so larry drake played like the bad guy he was like his bastard that cut off people's fingers with a cigar cutter mm-hmm. so he'd been typecast up to that point in shows like la law and then in that movie dark night of the scarecrow and then he does this complete reversal where he's this evil menacing bad guy in dark man so it was like a play on that typecast where it was like a reversal of that sure he also starred in the sequel dark man 2 the return of durant but not in dark man 3 die dark man die oh boy i didn't see any of those two because i got other shit to do like watch sewage baby again or something (laughs) okay so my next movie i'm excited to talk about this one this one's the one that i think really well, the, the next two actually are the ones that got me wanting to do this topic. Okay. So my next film is Ninja 3, The Domination from 1984. Mm-hmm. This is a canon film, part of the Ninja series. Now, I know you saw the documentary Electric Boogaloo, The Rise and Fall of Canon Films or whatever. Love that. Yeah. And so they talk about these movies, you know, where they're like white ninja guys and they brought back the whole ninja thing in movies and they're really shitty and kind of campy. But this one's probably tops all of them. The plot is this female aerobics instructor is possessed by an evil spirit of a fallen ninja. When she comes to his Uh name, he's dying and she's coming to his aid. And so she gets possessed by that. And the spirit starts seeking revenge through her. So then she's like now this ninja fighting her way through this ninja's enemies. Mm -hmm. And the only way that the spear of the ninja can be exercised from her body is if she fights another actual ninja. Uh Uh, Because that makes sense. Okay, sure. He is the most feared and powerful warrior. A ninja who breaks from ancient tradition and explodes onto America. His soul possesses the body of an innocent woman and transforms her into a lethal assassin. Her only hope, the master ninja. Where revenge of the ninja left off, Ninja 3 begins. An epic struggle of superhuman strength and supernatural forces. Ninja 3, The Domination. It's a fucking ridiculous ass movie. Yep. And I didn't even get a chance to watch all of it. But what I did watch was this. Did you ever see this movie? It's fucking crazy. No, it doesn't really sound like my thing either. It's not. You, you would, I think, actually enjoy it. So it opens up. And I just want to, I had to bring this up. It opens up where this ninja gets this cave that's near this golf course for some reason. Mm-hmm. Of course. And he puts on his ninja outfit. And then, like, kills a bunch of people at the golf course. Like, I guess, rich mobsters or somebody that's whatever. Okay. And he, yeah. They're on a golf course on their golf cart, and he jumps in there and does ninja stuff. And then he runs into the aerobics instructor, and it's his 80s mayhem from there. It's actually worth watching. It's just, it's fucking ridiculous. But here's a case where a spirit possessed somebody. Mm Mm-hmm to get revenge through them. So you can look even back to what could have been that same thing with High Plains Drifter. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure. Fun fact, the actress in this film was Lucinda Dickey, who was also in Cheerleader Camp. Oh, Dickey. As I discussed in my Cheerleaders episode. Dickey. She was also in, I believe, the Break-In movies. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, Break-In. Break-In and Break-In 2 Electric Electric Boogaloo. Boogaloo. Dickey. Old Dickey. Old Dickey. Gotta, Gotta love her. And then the other movie that really made me want to do this episode is The Wraith from 1986. We talked about The Wraith before, and you were confused by whether I was saying Wrath or Wraith. Uh-huh. I forgot what episode we were talking about it, but it was something from a couple of seasons Well, I'll talk ago. about it. Maybe I'll remember. Anyway, so this movie is a sort of action horror film starring Charlie Sheen. Mm-hmm. Oh, we talked about it on Dead on Set. Okay, that's what it was. Okay. When uh, the camera operator was killed during the filming of this movie, that's why we talked about it. Got it. And you thought I said wrath or whatever. Anyway. What does wraith mean? Like ghost spirit. Like a... I didn't make that word. Yeah, it's stupid. 
An evil force took his life. An unearthly power has brought him back. He is a phantom, a wraith, a cosmic spirit given another chance. A wraith, man! A ghost! An evil spirit and it ain't cool! The Wraith. If you've done nothing wrong, you've got nothing to fear. The Wraith tells the story of a murdered Arizona teen who mysteriously returns from the dead as an all-powerful street-racing wraith intent on taking revenge on a gang of car thieves and their psychotic leader who murdered the teen so the leader could then get emotional control over the dead teen's girlfriend. Okay. That uh, happens all the time. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You have not seen this movie, have you? No. It's so fucking 80s. And, it, you know, they took a lot from the Mad Max films because there's a lot of it that's filmed that way because there's like high speed car chases because they're racing for like pink slips, of course. Mm-hmm. Of course. Right. So he has this cool car. It's a black prototype something. It's really sleek looking. And underneath the hood, it has this glowing magical engine. And so the way he kills people is the car basically runs into these cars while they're racing like it'll you know run into them or go ahead of them and stop in the middle of the road so the other guy will run into him okay and then it blows up into pieces and then forms itself back together again Mm -hmm. anyway while that's going on this stranger comes into town and it's played by charlie sheen Mm -hmm. and it turns out he knows a lot about what's going on he starts talking to the girl whose boyfriend was the one that's killed spoiler you find out charlie sheen is like the reincarnation of that dude got it and actually fun fact when they made this movie they even said they were influenced by the character from high plains drifter so Mm -hmm. that so they kind of just rip that shit off yeah other fun fact the cool car which is actually it's still a pretty cool car i have to put it like a picture of it on the side or something is actually a dodge m4s turbo interceptor it was a concept car that they used as like a pace car for races oh wow and they used it in this film and there was six copies were made using the film and two were stunt cars and ones were just the mold for whatever and they had like the one actual car just for like close-ups and stuff okay other fun fact this was filmed right before oliver stone's platoon which came out the same year also starring charlie sheen and that made charlie sheen a star so it somehow elevated this film mm-hmm. this film's really bad yeah it's, it's, it's really sounds, really bad yeah yeah it's it's fucking crazy but anyway, I had to bring this up because it's a trashy 80s movie that's worth watching, even though it's really bad. But I really like that trope. I like the trope of the is it or is it not that person mm-hmm. coming back from the dead to take revenge. This movie, they spell it out, you know, that it definitely is. But I just like that. It's a, he comes back as a totally different person to kill motherfuckers. Yeah. I don't know why I just I dig that trope. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's cool. My next film, one of my favorite movies, is Robocop from 1987. Yeah, I love Robocop. Directed by Paul Verhoeven, starring Peter Weller. So I'm going to say RoboCop counts in this category. Why? Because RoboCop essentially, or Peter Weller as Murphy, the cop, essentially gets killed. He gets fucking murdered brutally, and then they bring him back. They resurrect him as part man, part machine, all cop. RoboCop. Okay. You know, there's even some parts in there where when he starts remembering shit, he has starts having memory yeah, yeah. Uh, lapses and stuff, and he says some things to one of the bad guys that's like dead or alive you're coming with me and then the guy's like i know who you are we killed you yeah "Yeah, well no it's payback motherfucker drop it dead or alive you are coming with me i know you you're dead we killed you we killed you It's funny, I never thought about RoboCop being a revenge from the grave film. It's funny. And you know, it's funny too, this is a good example of a revenant as mentioned in the medieval times because he's a disfigured, stitched together, kind of a bastardization of what he was before, which is part of the definition that when they talked about and had examples of what revenants were, a lot of times they were either rotten or disfigured or missing limbs or were just like barely recognizable abominations of what they were. And this is actually a perfect example. And you see that too. You see when his helmet comes off and how he's all just fucked up and yeah and you know he's not quite right so yeah robocop's a revenant that's cool kicking fucking ass yeah by the way anyone who's out there who hasn't seen this movie pause this and go watch that movie it's, it's yeah, probably well worth it it's great yeah it's from the 80s it's got a lot of 80s stuff in it but it is fucking wonderful the satire is great in it the mean spiritness is just stands the test of time i fucking love robocop yeah me too so 
Robocop, fantastic movie. The next one that I want to talk about before we leave the 80s, maybe not necessarily near as good as Robocop, but I actually kind of love this movie. And that movie is Dead Heat from 1988. Did you ever see this movie? Uh, is that Kathleen Turner? No, 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 no. This movie. What am I thinking of? I don't know. Dead Kathleen Turner. Dead Kathleen Turner, the movie. I saw Kathleen Turner not too long ago. She was in, uh, I saw John Waters talk about female trouble and then screen the movie and she was there oh nice she looks rough yeah i think she's having an issue right like yeah. some sort of ailment mm-hmm. well we we wish her all the best yeah the movie's called dead heat from 1988 mm-hmm. and it stars treat williams and joe fucking piscopo okay so it's about these cops and they go to stop this robbery at a jewelry store and they start shooting at all the the two bad guys that are robbing the store and they just won't go down. Like they keep getting hit and nothing happens to them, you know? Sounds cool. So then finally they use a car to like kill one of them. I think one gets blown up by a grenade, whatever. Mm -hmm. Anyway, they take them to the morgue. They find out that these guys were dead already, that they'd been to the morgue before. Mm -hmm. So they're like, well, how can they come back and kill people? It doesn't make sense. So then they find this big conspiracy with this company that they have this regeneration machine that can bring corpses back from the dead. And what they were using them for which is I mean the plot's kind of shitty they're using this regeneration machine to bring people back from the dead to rob jewelry stores Mm -hmm. but also there's a bigger scam involved with surprise Vincent Price is in this movie oh really yeah it's probably one of his last movies he plays this rich old man who's using it to scam other old people saying I was dead and they brought me back to life and they can bring you back too Mm -hmm. the problem with this machine it turns out is that it's temporary so eventually you just fall apart you just melt like your body doesn't last that long well that's cool anyway when they find out about this this Treat Williams gets killed. So they bring him back with this machine. And uh-huh. of course, he only has a limited time before his body like deteriorates. And it's, it's most 80s ridiculous. It sounds it's super pretty, gross. Pretty it's, awful, yeah. It's actually, I love it. I think it's a uh, I'm kind of, I feel like board. I'm kind of into it. Yeah. yeah. Dead Heat from what, 88? 1988, yeah, yeah, Dead Heat. Detective Roger Mortis <laughs> has a problem. He's dead. But Detective Bigelow is bringing him back alive. He's got 12 hours to solve the toughest murder case of his career. His own dead heat. You shoot him, they don't die. You can't keep a good cop dead. It's a fun comedy, but again, Revenge from the Grave, they go and they solve the murder and get payback and it's like you know it's such a nice crappy 80s cop version of that and yeah. Joe Piscopo is fucking Joe Piscopo yeah. in this movie if you remember him from Saturday Night Live mm-hmm. so had to talk about Dead Heat it's the it's the sewage baby of this episode it's one you definitely <laughs> need to watch looking forward to seeing that you ready for my next movie I'm moving on to the 90s I'm ready Ghost from 1990 <laughs> oh boy Patrick Swayze Patrick- Demi Moore and Oscar winner Whoopi Goldberg well done yes mm-hmm. that's exactly it it's a romantic fantasy thriller starring all those people. And Swayze, for those who don't know, Swayze plays a guy named Sam Wheat, who's a banker, and his girlfriend, they're not married, Hmm. named Molly, and she's an artist, and she makes clay stuff, and there's a scene I'll talk about in a minute. Anyway, one day Sam is murdered by this mugger. From then on, it shows his spirit kind of come out of his body, and he could go to heaven, because it shows the little lights coming out, but then he doesn't, and he kind of lingers around. And as it turns out, spoiler, it was his business partner, Carl who was the one that had him killed. And he's starting to kind of get more into the life of Demi Moore's character. So there's a good portion of this movie where Patrick Swayze's ghost is meandering around trying to figure out how to get through the world as a walking spirit. And, you know, so he has to go through walls. And then he meets some other angry spirit in the subway guy who teaches him how to manipulate the physical world. Yeah. And so he does that. And he goes back to his wife and tries to interact with her and he can't. Somehow he runs across Whoopi Goldberg's character who plays sort of a fraud medium. Right. Turns out she actually really is one and can hear him. And so they they play off of that where he's back and forth talking to her. So you could say it's a stretch that this is an actual Revenge from the Grave movie, but I'm going to say it is because he goes back and he actively is trying to help his wife. Yeah, he wants her to know that, like, that his partner is like coming for her, basically. Right. And yeah. They're all involved in some small crime. Yeah, it's drugs some or some shit. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's yeah some sort of crime. But spoiler, this is like a chase scene at the end. The guy gets killed by a, a window. The bad yeah, guy, Carl, oh, seems stabs great. him. And it's, it's actually pretty good. The like window like comes crashing down on him. And blood yeah. goes everywhere. Yeah. And then it shows what happens to bad people when yeah. they die. When it's hell like, comes to get them. And these like little shadow, shadow demons come and scary. drag them off hell. It's actually pretty good. It it's was actually pretty really decent. scary. Yeah, I saw good. Ghost in the theater when I when it came out. And wow, I was like, you were young. That, that shit was scurry. Yeah. Uh, what year? 1990. Yeah, you saw that way too young. 
I can't believe my parents. Well, it was a PG 13 rated movie. Was like, it? yeah, it just was. was like fucking scary as shit. And it was really bloody. Like yeah. that was the time that you would go see a PG 13 movie and you would be like, this, this is an R rated film. Like, yeah. yeah. It's gorier and creepier than it would be R now. Yeah. I think. Oh yeah. Like Swayze like paid them, I think probably for that PG. Probably. Rating. I wouldn't be surprised. And the scene I was talking about where Molly is, you know, a sculptor or whatever, cause she makes clay stuff. Mm-hmm. Everyone's seen this scene. It's been parried yes. so many times where they play, play that song unchained melody yeah. yeah they play that in the background and he, she's messing with the clay and he comes behind her in their hands you know it's that whole romantic scene that people have yeah. seen all the time and it's Except by it's now Whoopi it's Goldberg period. yeah Whoopi Goldberg's and not making out oh yeah they do <laughs> it's like Whoopi Goldberg and Demi Moore like making out yeah later on I forgot about yeah. that but yeah this movie was huge too when it came out it was a massive box office success it had grossed over 500 million dollars mm-hmm. in the box office it's a good movie of a budget of 22 million dollars I mean it blew the fuck up yeah it was a high highest grossing film of 1990 and it was nominated for five academy awards including best picture best score and best film editing it got nominated for best picture yeah that's a little that's a bit much i agree yeah it won the awards for best supporting actress for Whoopi goldberg and of course best original screenplay that i don't know if i would say that but i mean it did win i'm not saying it should have sure it's a good movie i don't think it's an oscar winning film i was super happy when Whoopi goldberg won like i mean good for her yeah it was great and she was great in it yeah she was yeah but here's the thing here's the dark part of this movie that i don't think anyone really looked at so molly finally sees him at the end demi moore sees him once all this is resolved and they sort of spirit kiss or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then she sees him go off to heaven. So what I'm saying is, what does she have to live for at this point? She knows there's a heaven. She saw her spirit boyfriend, after she kissed him, go off to heaven. So it's like, she's just killing time. Uh-huh. Why didn't she just kill herself and go hang out with him in heaven? She's got nothing really to live for, is all I'm saying. You know what she has to live for? What? Her interracial lesbian relationship with Whoopi Goldberg. All right, that's now. fair. Yeah. That's fair. They I didn't bang think... right after the Thanks end for... of the movie, yeah. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all right. Well, that's resolved. Yeah. Fuck it. Let's move on. Yep. My next movie is The Crow from 1994. Probably the most revengey from the grave movie ever. I figured you were going to talk about this. I had to talk about this movie. It's a dark fantasy film directed by Alex Proyas, Proyas, who did Dark City and a bunch of other gothic-y kind of films. Mm -hmm. He's he's a decent director. It stars Brandon Lee, who was Bruce Lee's son. Mm Mm-hmm. It was his last movie. I talked about this movie in Dead on Set because Brandon Lee was killed in the making of this movie right before they'd finished it. Most of his work had been done, but they had to add some stuff. Sure. And anyway, the movie is based on a comic book mm-hmm. that was a hugely successful black and white comic, independent comic from the late 80s. And the story is a guitarist named Eric Draven, played by Lee, who was brought back to life by a crow a year after he and his fiance were murdered. The crow guides him through the land of the living and leads him to his killers, which are named Tintin, Funboy, T-Bird, and Skank. Everybody likes Skank. Gayest names ever, but whatever. Yeah, they're fairly gay. One by one, Eric gets payback, and then he goes after the big crime lord that I guess is running the whole show. You know, conflict happens and revenge and everything mm-hmm. like that. It's super, super gothy. And the soundtrack was great. The movie soundtrack, remember, had Nine Inch Nails, Stone Temple Pilots, a bunch of grunge era music on yeah. there. It was definitely a phenomenon of its time. So you look like you have something to add to this. What, what do you got? I never told you about when I went to go see The Crow in the theater. No. So it came out in 94 and I was 14 and I went with a bunch of friends. My mm-hmm. dad took me to go, you know, see it. And we were going to see a couple of movies for my birthday, like in a day at the old Patrick Henry Mall. So we went to go buy tickets to The Crow and they wouldn't let us buy them because we were underage. We weren't 17. And I was trying to find my dad, but it was before cell phones. So, mm-hmm. you know, anyway, so we bought tickets to The Cowboy Way starring oh, yeah. Kiefer oh, Sutherland God. and Woody Harrelson yeah, that yeah. started, I don't know 10 minutes before whatever and then of course we did what every kid goes to which we went to go see the crow nice so we're sitting in there you know that comes up we're feeling all cool because we're seeing an ra movie we snuck in you know whatever and in the middle of it like it was maybe like 10 minutes like some a fucking flashlight comes down we're the only people in the theater flashlight comes down and they're like um excuse me aren't you all supposed to be in the cowboy way this is an r-rated film and they made us get up out of the theater in the crowd. They like fucking narked us. And oh, like, motherfuckers. And then took us. They like knew what we were doing like when we bought the tickets. Right. And so then we had to fucking watch The Cowboy Way starring Kiefer Sutherland and Woody Harrelson, which was not nearly as memorable as a film as That's bullshit. The Crow. So I actually didn't end up seeing The Crow until it was out on, you know, VHS or whatever right. at the time. Isn't that... Isn't that fucking bullshit? Yeah, that's fucking bullshit. I actually have a similar story that I'll bring up in another episode. But yeah, I hate that shit. Just let me see the fucking movie. It was like, come I bought on. a ticket. It was a solid plan. Right. Let like, us do it. Who yeah. cares? Come on. Yeah. And nobody wants to see the cowboy way. No, nobody. No. All I remember from cowboy way is they like rode horses in New York City. That's all right. I remember. Yeah. And they're like, we got to solve this murder. Right. That there was the murder. That was the whole thing. Is that yeah. it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, fuck that yeah. movie. 
So a couple of facts about The Crow, and you probably remember this, when he was killed on that set while they were filming, that was on the news everywhere. When he was, you remember that? The oh, whole thing, of course. The news it was like the biggest thing that had like ever happened yeah. in, the, in the world, yeah. And then the whole thing with the Bruce Lee curse, because supposedly there was a curse on the family. You know, there's a lot yeah. of weird legend, because Bruce Lee died kind of mysteriously, too. Very mysteriously. And so that, that whole thing came out, and it was a, a big, crazy deal. And then you may not remember this, I was going to say fun fact, but I guess this isn't really fun, but a fact, there was a movie called as something dragon and the dragon the bruce lee story mm-hmm. that was jason scott lee was playing bruce lee who's sure. not related to them but that movie came out right around the time brandon lee was killed filming the crow yeah and so you know and it shows bruce lee's life up to his kid being born and then his mysterious death so this whole bruce lee family thing was really in the public's consciousness because there was a, yeah. a biopic about him and then this news report about brandon lee dying and it was fucking yeah everywhere. i remember it's crazy so they almost didn't finish the movie but they did and it came out and it did okay i mean it grossed like 50 million dollars on a 23 million dollar budget it's not a commercial film at all no, like it really it's, it, i think that that's probably this is a terrible thing to say but the best thing that could have happened to the crow was all the publicity around you know Brandon Lee because right. it was not particularly a great movie no. nor a commercial film no oddly enough it did spawn several sequels though the first one was called the crow city of angels i love that soundtrack that was like my jam that was, was like a good second soundtrack. i was that like was a really good and like pj harvey and yeah shit. that was yeah. a really good soundtrack as well yeah no that was good that was the only thing good about crow i never city saw the angels. movie i saw the cowboy way to city of angels instead <laughs> and they were like luckily Kiefer sutherland and woody harrelson made a sequel right. where they come back from the dead to ride horses through the city and it's los angeles this time and not new york we, that's right we just wrote a whole terrible movie mm-hmm. right then just for our audience. The second sequel was called The Crow Salvation. Then there was one after that called The Crow Wicked Prayer. And then there was a Canadian TV show called The Crow Stairway to Heaven. Yikes. I don't know anything about that. I didn't care. I think there was supposedly a remake or something that was planned, but it hasn't happened. Let The Crow go. Yeah, it's. It let's a, just have that be a moment in time yeah. that, that can forever just stay where it is. Yeah. But let me at least talk about the character of The Crow because he comes back. The Crow itself takes Brandon Lee's character, Eric, back from the dead a year later. And again, another revenant in that he's basically a zombie or a conscious zombie. He's not disformed or disfigured or anything. He does put like weird goth yeah, he's just super on. goth. He's like super emo. He's emo. He comes yeah. back as emo. and But he also can't be hurt either. So I kind of like that trope too where you just you can't be injured or hurt. Again, another revenant story. The next film I want to talk about is Spawn from 1997. Mm-hmm. Evil has a new enemy. Justice has a new weapon. And the world has a new hero. Spawn. Did you ever see this movie? No. So it's a supernatural superhero film, slash horror film, that's based on a comic book character of the same name. And it starred Michael J. White, you know, who was in Black Dynamite. Mm Mm-hmm. You don't remember? No. No. You don't remember? You suck. Anyway, he was great. He's, you know, an African-American actor or whatever who does, like, real kung fu shit. Mm Mm-hmm. And he's great in Black Dynamite, so you should see that. But anyway, the character of Spawn is this like special forces guy named Al Simmons who gets betrayed and murdered. He goes to hell, basically, because he was an assassin or whatever, and assassins apparently go to hell. Mm-hmm. And he makes some deal with the devil to see his wife again. Okay. Of course, it was a deal with the devil, so there was a stipulation for him to come back. He comes back, and he's got this costume on, and he's known as a hell spawn, which is some warrior for hell when hell is going to come take over Earth. So he gets kind of stuck doing that. He tries to talk to his wife, but the only human form he can take that isn't disfigured because he was like burned to death or whatever mm-hmm. is of some white guy because he's black and I guess they're fucking with him by doing that. Okay. So I thought you were going to say that he comes back to life, but as those little shadow monsters from ghosts. No, no. Yeah. Okay. That would be something though. Mm-hmm. Anyway. So as time goes by, he learns what happened to him because when he first comes back, he doesn't have memory of what happens, but he realizes he has these powers and he looks, he has this kind of cool superhero costume that has this weird cape and these chains and he could do crazy shit. Anyway. So he tries to fight against his evil overseer and at the same time try to figure out how he can tell his wife that he's back from the dead. And then he fights crime kind of and kills some bad guys. As he learns what happened to him, he goes after the guy who had him killed, which is like this big CIA boss that he has to deal with. That's the basic plot. Okay. The comic book that it's based off of was very successful. It was created by a guy named Todd McFarlane. He was a, a, you know, an artist, writer. And one of the things that was great about Spawn 2 was that it was one of the few African-American comic book heroes. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, the movie like fucking sucked. 
Mm-hmm. I think it did okay. I think it did well in theaters for the most part, but it didn't spawn any sequels, which is, ha, get it? Yeah. Which is what they wanted it to do. Yeah, they, they wanted to franchise it. Yeah, yeah, and it didn't work. A fun fact, Martin Sheen plays the main bad guy in the movie. Oh, really? Yeah, and John Leguizamo uh-huh. played... I can't pronounce it either, so... No, I, John Leguizamo. Leguizamo. I think it's Leguizamo. I think that's... Yep. We'll, we'll go with that. Anyway, he plays the Violator, which is this like clown that turns into this demon. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It has something to do with whatever. I don't remember. Spawn, I think, could use a better remake. I think they're supposed to make a remake of it. Mm-hmm. It needs a better vehicle for that character because actually it's a pretty decent character i read some of the books i actually bought a few of them just to see what it was about when i did this podcast and it's it's good and the character's good and he's you know a tortured soul he comes back and he's sort of in this deal with the devil that he can't get out of and life sucks and then he just gets payback and revenge so i like the trope i like that whole thing and it's slightly different than the rest of these it just needs a better vehicle sure. than it got all right, so that's all I'm going to say about Spawn. It's a good example, but not a good movie. Yeah. The next movie I want to talk about, though, and I'm just going to talk about it a little bit, is The Sixth Sense from 1999. Sure. Specifically a certain scene in that movie. Everyone, I imagine, has seen this movie, so I don't feel like yep. I need to discuss it so much. But I'll give you a little bit of detail. I know the scene you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you want to say it? Yeah, sure. Is it the scene where he goes to the funeral, fucking little kid, what's his name? Haley Joe Osmond. Yeah. yeah. He goes to the funeral to basically expose the fact that the kid that died was poisoned by, what was the stepmother or something like mother, that? Her mother. Yeah. Yeah. Just to illustrate that a little bit more. So Haley Joe Osmond has been harassed by this little girl ghost, and he can't figure out why. He finally figures out she wants his help to expose her mother that her mother kept poisoning her and everyone thought that she was just had chronic illness but it turned out the mother was poisoning her and so she had like a video that she had recorded and she showed him the ghost showed Haley Joel Osment where that was he got it put it in the VCR and played it at the wake or whatever and they showed her getting poisoned on that video and of course it was quite awkward moment for that family awkward yeah it was very awkward but again Payback, motherfucker. Yeah. And that was kind of more along the Hamlet side where the ghost didn't take control of somebody or didn't do it themselves, but used somebody else as a vehicle for payback or justice, mm-hmm. revenge. So yeah. nice little scene. Yeah. I actually really liked that scene. And Me I kind of like the movie's good. The too. movie is a great movie. It's really good. But there you go. Six cents. Mm-hmm. All right. So now I'm switching. I'm going way ahead. I've been talking about a lot of these movies in the 90s and earlier, but I'm, you know, I'm only picking a few choice films. I mentioned that already. And the next movie I want to talk about is a film called Drive Angry from 2011. Did you ever see this movie? Mm, I I haven't either, but it sounds kind of batshit to me and I kind of want to see it. First of all, it stars Nicolas Cage, which Mm. means chances are it's going to be fucking crazy at some point. It was shot in 3D, fun fact, but it's about this undead criminal who breaks out of hell. First of all, he steals Satan's personal gun labeled the God Killer. Mm-hmm. Okay, I, that's I, not a thing. I, no. To kill Jonah King, who's this cult leader who tricked Nicolas Cage's daughter into joining with his followers 10 years earlier. So God, he's going to get revenge for her. awful already. It does, yeah. Only he ends up killing her and her husband and steals their daughter. So I guess he's going to get his granddaughter from this cult leader. I don't know. It seems like a very convoluted plot. Mm-hmm. Anyway, he gets this Satan's gun. Oh, and the granddaughter, I guess, is supposed to be used in the sacrifice. And so if... <laughs> So if that co-leader kills the baby, then he'll unleash hell on earth or something. It's so fucking ridiculous. I kind of want to see it. Uh I I doubt it's very good. But so a bad Nicolas Cage movie is not a fun experience. I mean, that's true. Every once in a while, him being crazy is a fun experience. But yeah, all his bad movies are not good bad. Really bad. Yeah. Yeah, A lot of them are really, really bad. Like I said, I don't know anything else about it. I basically give you a rundown. I probably got a lot of stuff wrong. But essentially, he comes back from hell to get revenge. So Mm -hmm. it's very similar to Spawn, which is why I brought it up afterward. But Revenge from the Grave-ish with Satan. Anyway, fun fact, the film opened at ninth place with a box office ranking of an underperforming $1.6 million. Yikes. I don't know how much money the movie would cost to make. Even with salary alone probably was more more than than that. that. Yeah. Yeah. Another fun fact, it was the lowest grossing opening of a 3D film released in over 2,000 theaters. So I think it holds that record. Oh, wow. Because usually films will release in 3D to get a little bit of extra money. It didn't help this film at all. You know, listeners out there, if you've seen this movie and it's the shit, let me know. If it's terrible to avoid, let us know that too because I don't know anything about it. I feel like it could go either way, but I'm not really partial to a Nick Cage movie that's purposely bad. Yeah. Anyway, and then my last example, here's my last example of Revenge from the Grave. 
Game of Thrones, mm-hmm. the TV show. So, have you ever mm-hmm. watched that show? No. It's a big sword and sorcery. I mean, I know sex, what it is. I'm not. I, yeah, don't. Violence. Yeah, so, live in a cardboard box buried in the. So, there's a show called Game of Thrones. <laughs> have you heard of this small Literally cult everyone show? in the world has heard of the show. Okay. So, there's a character named Jon Snow. He's this bastard of a king. He essentially joins this group of what are monks on this wall to fight against what are these undead creatures that I guess used to torment people a long time ago. Anyway, some of the people that work for him, you know, because he becomes like the leader of these people on this wall, they suddenly question his judgment to the point where they actually kill this character, Jon Snow, right? Mm-hmm. Through a, a bunch of magic and other weird shit, he comes back. They bring him back to life. And so immediately he gets fucking payback and kills all the people that killed him. Mm-hmm. And then essentially quits the job because it's funny because so the to be on the wall, to be one of those monks on the wall, the night watch they call him or whatever the only way you can quit that job is to die and since technically he died he was like well, fuck this job i'm out mm-hmm. you know i did my part and i died so fuck you guys but that's the latest example i could find of somebody who gets essentially revenge from the grave he gets killed comes back kills all the people that conspired against him and then basically quits his job and goes and does other things mm-hmm. he's not really much of a revenant because he wasn't brought back over a period of time he wasn't disfigured or disformed he really like dies is probably dead for a day yeah. And then they bring him back. So And he's, he's hot. And he's hot, and I guess he's fine, and he's not, you know, he th- doesn't come from hell or right. like pieces of gun. flesh aren't falling off. No, or... no, 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 he's not. Yeah. Again, this trope still keeps coming back. You know, the whole thing with a character who gets killed and then comes back and gets justice slash revenge. You know, it's not, it's like not even death can stop him. Mm-hmm. And that's on the point that I think I'm going to close this topic. I find these examples compelling because, again, it's a twist of the the ghost reanimated dead person coming back and making things right. I think what's unique here than my other revenge topics is that in those stories, it's the act of sheer will on the part of the Avengers. You know, like rape revenge, for instance, the person's brutalized and raped, left for dead. They heal themselves, they come back, and then they plot and execute their revenge. You know, they, they will themselves to seek out justice and they do it. Whereas with Revenge of the Grave movies, those attributes, of course, are still there, but then there's that attitude sense of divine intervention in some sort of form assisting the adventurer with their chance with payback it's like the universe is helping this person seek justice from beyond the grave mm-hmm. you know it's not just somebody who's like i'm gonna train like frigga from the color one eye and sure. I, and they ran for their lives and go and shoot up motherfuckers you know it's like the whole universe itself life and death is even saying you know what you deserve to come back and fucking get revenge because payback is what runs the fucking universe mm-hmm. you know what i mean that's yeah, why sure. i like that whole beating death just to come back and kill other people right I, yeah. you need in the revenge subgenre. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I use some of these examples. There's plenty more out there, I'm sure. But as a protagonist, you don't see a lot of films following the person that came back from the dead to do that. It's easier to use those folks as the bad guys in horror yeah. movies. But I think the whole appeal of this, too, is that, you know, whether you believe in God or not or any type of divine being, I think it's comforting to think that even if you're wronged or if something terrible happens to you, that there's some force out there that will help you basically bend the laws of physics and nature to come back and right those wrongs and to kill a motherfucker. Yeah. And that's all I got for this episode. Mm-hmm. So what do you think? Cool, good one. I think it's really interesting how you did it, that you kind of just said, all right, there's so many horror movies of where people come back. I'm just not even going to talk about them, like, and only focusing on the protagonist, I thought was was a really interesting kind of spin to it, because I, I did wonder whether this was just going to be a laundry list, you know, which we always talk about and say, like, we don't want to make laundry lists. I do it more than you do, which I'm kind of like, and then this movie, and then this movie, and everybody's I do it like, too, shut though. the fuck up. I try, yeah. to, I try to rein it in, especially something like this, but yeah, it would have been, we'd still be talking about, and then this horror movie, you know, and right, I was sure. like, no, no, it's good that you kind of cut all that stuff out because, like, who gives a shit? Like, you know, if you've seen one of those, you've seen all of them. Right. So, yeah. yeah exactly. Good. Great topic. All right. Well, thanks. That's this season's revenge story. What is five? Do you know? I have an idea. Okay. All right. So, we'll just have to wait until we get there. Okay. Good. Thanks, everyone. All right. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to Slums of Film History. You can find us on the web at slumsoffilmhistory.com where you can find links to some of the movies we talked about today, along with pictures, videos, and additional resources, as well as Sunday Slum Day, our weekly recommendation for the best and sometimes worst films every Sunday night. If you want to keep up with us, we're on Facebook and Twitter where we share out a lot of additional content. And as always, please fact check us and let us know if we left anything out. We're not professionals, just two friends that love gross movies.
So the first film I could find that fits the topic of Revenge from the Grave was a silent film. Can we eat the food now? Yes. Let's pause it.